I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So today's podcast is really relevant. In the next couple of days, a film called Black Men Loving is going to be appearing, premiering actually, at the Regent Park Film Festival in Toronto. Check them out online. Ella Cooper is the interviewee today. Is that even a word? I'm not sure, but she's terrific. She wears so many hats. She's a multidisciplinary artist, and she talks a little bit about that. She talks about the film and racism. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. She's terrific. Catch the film. Check them out online, and don't forget about Real Change, uh, my book that's flying off the shelves folks get your copy while they last uh, and we'll uh, we'll be talking to you real soon hope you enjoy today's interview 
Well, welcome to Face to Face. It's a beautiful, sunny, cold day here in Toronto, and we've got a, a really special guest with us today, Ella Cooper. She's a multidisciplinary artist. Uh, she's a facilitator. She's a filmmaker. She's into education. She consults. She does a little bit of everything, frankly. And uh, we're going to talk to her uh, today about her new film that's premiering in a couple of days called Black uh, Men Loving on November 20th at the Regent Park Film Festival. Ella, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to, to be on the show. Thanks for having me. So what, pray tell, is a multidisciplinary artist? <laughs> uh, that is a very good question. So basically, um, I call myself a multidisciplinary artist because I use many different art forms to, uh, to engage communities and even to create a final product. So you'll see in the film Black Men Loving that there are these beautiful interviews with fathers, black fathers sharing their stories of black fatherhood and what that means to them. And the way that they've come to sharing this process is through photography, through poetry writing, hmm. um, different workshops that I led with them. So as a multidisciplinary artist, while the final piece might look like a film or a piece of photography, the process itself that I use engages a lot of different art forms and facilitation techniques. And would you say that, so, so, I mean, you know, I read your bio here, you're a filmmaker, you're an educator, and so on, but what's really at the core of what you do? I mean, it sounded to me like you're, you know, at the risk of sounding a little corny, uh, you're building community. Yeah, I, I mean, at the core of what I do, I've been really interested in amplifying those voices of individuals who might be deemed marginal hmm. or are marginalized mm-hmm. or who are marginalized by the, by the media. So we have specific representations that we'll see people who are racialized, people of diverse communities, um, as they're depicted in the media, or we just, or there's just a, a lack of representation and diverse representation. So I've gotten really excited over time to lead programs that facilitate people getting their hands on the camera, their hands on different arts, um, you know, tools to really define who they, who they are and how they want to be seen and celebrated in the world. So how did you get excited about this particular project? And, and I guess another, the, other, the other question is, are, is this your first film? Um, so it isn't my first film, but in some ways I feel like it's my debut. Hmm. And the reason for that is I have been um, working in partnership with the Regent Park Film Festival over the last three years in a number of different capacities. Uh, in my first year, I was a guest artist teacher in the schools working with youth to um, take them through digital storytelling workshops. In the second year, I was working with Illuminato Film Festival to make a quite a, uh, a longer uh, documentary film where I was training up a youth film crew while also directing them in the creation of the film that was aired at the festival. And then in this final year, it's been a real honor to have been approached by Regent Park Film Festival and the Black Daddies Club to create uh, Black Men Loving, which is really about distilling, dispelling the stereotypes of how black men are um, depicted in the media as well as the stories of black fatherhood. What's the, um, tell us a little bit more about the Black Daddies Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Black Daddies Club was founded by Brandon Hay, and um, when he had his first son in his 20s, he realized that there was just very few support networks available to him um, simply as a father and let alone as, a, as a, a black male. And so he took it upon himself to create what is now known as the Black Daddies Club. And um, it's, had, it's just become incredibly popular within his community hmm. to create a support network for black fathers. So, okay, so here's the question. Do you think this is something that 
everybody should be doing? I mean, is this just about black fathers, or is this about fathers, do you think? Well, I mean, clearly your film is about yeah. black fathers, but yeah. I'm wondering if there's a more, more systemic issue going on here. This isn't just about black men. This is about men across the board. Well, what's interesting is, in many ways, it is about black men because of often the the face of fatherlessness or deadbeat dad is often mm. uh, depicted as a black male. Right. And that really creates a lot of stigma, and um, often people find that they have they don't have you know the right support networks to really move forward forward in their own fathering. Um, that said, there's obviously things that you know, anyone can gain from this. I mean, it's a really heartwarming film around fatherhood, so listening to their stories, any dad can um, relate. And yet, um, when Brandon Hay talked about his decision around should he should it be the Daddy's Club or should it be Black Daddy's Club, what he realizes is that there is an experience um, as a black male hmm. that is unique to, um, to other groups and that to have a space where he could be safe to really talk about some of the issues that he faces um, in his day-to-day was something that would really help him move forward as a dad. I, just, I guess I just wonder, you know, from a, um, my background in philosophy, so forgive some of the, the questions maybe, mm-hmm. but I wonder to what degree, at, uh, and, I, and I get that the pendulum is, is way out of whack when it comes to these kinds of issues with respect to, you know, sexism and racism and so on in our culture, but at what point do... Do, does the Black Daddies Club say, you know what, we we need another voice in here as well to say, hey guys, it, it, this so it's, it's kind of like what your film is trying to do. Obviously, it's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, disassemble those stereotypes. So yeah. how, you know what I mean? Like, how do you not play into it and say, you know, if for instance, there's a there's a campaign, the White Ribbon campaign, which is uh, all about uh, violence against women, but it's run entirely by men. Mm-hmm. And you think, geez, maybe they should have a female voice in there from time <laughs> to time. Well, what's what's interesting is the Black Daddies Club ha- has actually welcomed women in at mm. different times. Um, they invite different speakers to come in to address some of the key issues that uh, might be coming up in their community, which could be anything from homophobia to um, depression to, you know, a whole range of things that many people experience. And, um, and what I tried to do was that, yes, you have to be really careful as a filmmaker not to perpetuate stereotypes, yeah, even if you... Even as you attempt to uh, perpetuate or a new representation, you have to be careful how you're doing that. You know, like just creating all these glorified images of people isn't the answer. And so in this film, there are unique um, profiles with about, I guess, five or six dads who are really, really different from each other. Right. Really different experiences because I find that there is a very essentialized um, view that can be put on the black experience. And to add that there isn't a lot of focus on the black Canadian experience. Right. So, so yeah, so what I found is just with all these different profiles and interviews, it gives a different, um, offers like a different lens to what that experience looks like today and that there isn't one one perspective. Right. I find that it's it's much easier to stereotype when you have a tokenistic individual representing a whole entire group. What did um what did you take away? I mean, I'm sure you took away lots, but what what did you take away that you didn't expect? What was an unexpected outcome for you? You started the interviews, you had an idea of where this might head mm-hmm. and and you know, that shock of recognition that surprised the heck out of you. Um I 
there, I mean, it's called Black Men Loving, and there was just so much love and openness mm. uh, in the creation of this project. Like, the men who self-selected to be part of this uh, were so generous with their time and their stories and really shared personal stories, which people will see in the film. And I felt like, you know, I don't have kids yet, but I hope to one day. Mm. And listening to their stories gave me insights on what it's like to be a parent. And um, I was just, yeah, I was really taken by their conviction to to really be present in their children's lives, some some of whom didn't have their father's presence in their lives, you know, and from that experience we're like, I'm I'm gonna change this. So what I really saw was that these men are being the change they want to see in the world. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it it's totally <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> you know what, it's the world I travel in and frankly I, I think we forget it. I mean I really do. I think even the most idealistic nutcases of uh, of our sort of circle that you and I probably travel in from t- day to day we we forget it we forget that we do mm-hmm. have this uh, opportunity and re- and my, I think responsibility and and almost obligation to try to change the world and and it's easy to get you know um discouraged you know i tell i tell all my students at humber 7 out of 10 days i'm ready to turn it upside down and then 3 <laughs> out of 10 forget it i'm going to jump off the old islington bridge you know yeah, yeah. um uh, well, I think it's great that, you know, I am a dad, I got a seven and a nine year old and, you know, it's marvelous. It's wonderful. And I, I just think there's something really kind of leveling about becoming a parent. And, and I've traveled mm-hmm. a fair bit around the world and I just interviewed, uh, and there are, there are commonalities without a doubt, you know, parents and kids and so on in the relationship. And I interviewed Nigel Fisher, Fisher re- recently, he, he, uh, UN, UNICEF, all over the world. He's been in some pretty uh, crazy situations. And he said, you know, two of the things that I've taken away, one is most people want a good job. And the mm-hmm. second thing is every parent wants a good education for their children. And, yeah. and you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. just these things that, you know, that, that really does connect us, you know, and, and here we and, go again. We're sounding, yeah. we're sounding corny again here. <laughs> and know? what I would add, what I would add is that education is a really interesting piece. You know, it's like, Education is so many things now. It's the institution you go into, but it's also the community you're surrounded by and who yeah. you yes. learn yeah. from. You know who who represents you in your community. Where where are your mentors? Where is your you know inspiration? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so funny you bring that. I was uh, I made a, I made a crack about uh, I was an, I'm, I'm an electrician by trade. I haven't been on the tools in years, but I apprenticed for five years. And I used the word apprentice this morning with my daughter, and she's going to be seven in two weeks. Dad, what's an apprentice? And so we got into this whole conversation about i guess informal education in a way Mm -hmm. you know and you're so right this whole idea of mentorship i mean you know it's just it's so fundamentally important that elbow knowledge that side by side stuff that we all kind of partake in one way or another yep absolutely and that's actually why you know brandon hay brought created the black Mm -hmm. daddy's club Mm -hmm. it was this opportunity for people to actually share uh, you know, the how-to tools around how to be a good dad. And um, I also interviewed uh, Zakaia Tafari from Young Potential Fathers, and they're doing some really interesting work, um, not only supporting um, kind of young potential dads, but also they're starting to do more research-based work around, um, you know, the who's who within this community and the needs of this community. And so, yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting time, and um, it was so exciting to be, you know, invited to, to lead this project. Yeah, it's very cool. Hey, Ella, what do you say to somebody, you know, that classic, it's almost become a cliche of a stereotype, which is hysterical, but 
the notion that, oh, well, you know, there is some truth in stereotypes, right? That's, that's why they're stereotypes. How do you answer that now after having made this film? Yeah, I mean, I, I do workshops on, like, anti-O and um, anti-racist-based thoughts. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the reality is is that um, when you take a stereotype, it kind of cuts you down at the mm. knees, right? So it can actually lead to internalized racism. So sometimes people will believe all, you know, all one type of person is really good at math. Therefore, if I'm not good at math, then maybe I'm not enough of that right, one right. thing. Yep. And so, yeah, so no, I, I, don't, I don't believe in the truth of stereotypes, but I believe in the power of how um, people take on stereotypes, you know, t- uh, as a form of truth. Interesting. You mean, you mean the individual itself that's actually being potentially racially profiled in a way? You're yeah, not, you're not I'm, even talking about the, 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 the higher level kind of ideological implications. You're talking about the individual themselves. Yeah, because I think that how we internalize stereotypes has a really negative impact on how we navigate our own experience. Right, so in other words, I must be this way Mm -hmm. because there's truth in stereotypes. Therefore, it's, it's, it's almost deterministic, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that's why it would make a film like Black Men Loving shocking. And the only reason it's shocking is because of one story that is constantly viewed in the media that surrounds the stories of black men. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It sounds like a, an amazing project. So, does your closet have like have a lot of hooks for all the different hats you wear? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I somehow I realized I was thinking about this the other day that it's thematic. So it is about building community. Mm. It is about um, I'm really get like media arts focused, um, and it's really about like tapping into my own personal creativity and celebrating like as as a woman who is like a racialized female director as well really you know uh, what would you say like just creating spaces where i can blossom in my own practice as well as facilitate that in others so well, i ho- i love the whole notion and it's deeply philosophical as well but also really practical but this idea of creating space you know creating mm-hmm. space for others i mean the work that i do i think and the work that i in, in the field that i teach in in social change and international development it's about i hope you know, uh, creating space for the other, whoever that might be. And I mean that in, in the most sensitive way possible. You know, I don't, yeah, mean, I don't yeah. mean it in a divisive way. And so I'm, I'm really attracted to the notion of you being uh, a community organizer. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think if I were to give an exact example, um, as, you know, in my role as a manager of the Neighborhood Arts Network, uh, I just helped to, to co-lead a community arts jam that was looking at um, our equity in community engagement. Uh, what, what did you call it, an arts jam? Community arts jam, yeah, in Toronto Island. Interesting. And so we were looking at race and equity in yep. the arts. Um, from there, you know, I, I love to lead youth. Uh, film programs, and I'm a filmmaker that's really dedicated to celebrating culturally diverse voices, as well as making dance films around the city. Um, and then, and then simultaneously, I work on projects that are really looking at um, celebrating the Black female body and the Black Canadian experience. And so, uh, and then I and then I run off and do consulting work sometimes as well. And and it's all about outreach. Yeah, no, I, they all pay the bills oh, in different okay. ways. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you know what, you've got to add to your bio, social entrepreneur then. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would be that. It just it depends on what what title you want to take on. Sure. And I'm still figuring that out. Like, <laughs> right. how, do you, how do you encapsulate well, all of that? Don't let anybody box you in. I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't know you at all, but it doesn't sound like that would work for you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. no, I, I think it's a nice. It's, it's good to be fluid. We should probably wrap it up here in a second or two. But tell me, what's what's another issue that's on your heart that's kind of passionately uh, burning, you know, in your belly, if you will, that you want to make another film about? Um, hmm. Well, I've I've actually been doing a, a photo project, a national photo project called Body Land Identity, hmm. and um, it's really been looking at representations of the black female body and the black that female Canadian experience in the Canadian landscape. So I was just asked by NYU to speak on a panel in at their conference in Florence in May, wow. uh, which will be during the Venice Biennale. And, and um, I worked with different groups of women across Canada to create these portraits and um, images, both that, that I created as well, that they created. Um, sorry, I'm not making sense, but images that I created as well as their own images around the question, how do you want to be seen and celebrated in the world? Um, and looking at that sense of blacklessness in the Canadian landscape. So while I'm not sure I would make a documentary film on it, or maybe it would have to be <laughs> around my own personal experience doing right, this film, right. it's been a really wonderful journey of, of investigating the Canadian landscape and who is depicted and who is present in these spaces. And right. I'm really excited to be able to talk about it and, and to exhibit the work uh, in the future I, as well. I sure hope you're having a Q&A on Thursday night at the, at the <laughs> Hill. And it sounds like you'll, you'll have a grand old time. Well, speaking of which, there's also a matinee screening oh, okay. on Saturday at 2.45 as part of the Hope Heights uh, screening, and there will be a panel that day. Excellent. So we're talking about the release uh, Regent Park Film Festival for those listeners who want to check it out. It's, it's uh, premiering Thursday night, the 20th yep. of November. Check out, can they go to the Regent Park Film Festival website? Is that the best place? Yeah, to yeah definitely go okay. to the website, check it out. Um, all the tickets are free. And, uh, however, it's really best to reserve in advance. Don't, yeah, you don't want to be disappointed. And it runs, it opens on the 19th and runs till the 22nd. And Black Men Loving, the premiere is on Thursday at 9 p.m. Ella Cooper says here on her website, or a website that I found about her, quote, I am constantly grateful that I get to do the work that I love almost every day, close quote. Ella, thanks for joining me today. I, yeah, listen, uh, look forward to getting to know you a little better. I wish you... All, all the success uh, in the world with, with the new film, and it sounds like you're doing some pretty important work. Many thanks. Yeah, it was great chatting with you.